0: Welcome to the Jack Weston MCAP podcast with your host, Phil Hawkins and Asai Calderon-Muñiz. Welcome back to another MCAP podcast. Today, we're talking about my favorite topic, which is memory, um, the way that we learn, the way that we hold that information. Um, I think that this is just something that, uh, well, some of you guys know I did my PhD work in memory. Um, this Ties a lot to like my childhood growing up. I spent a lot of time in a nursing home where I ran into a lot of Alzheimer's. And so just like understanding how memories can like disappear. And like that's something that just like is very kind of terrifying to me. Um, And so I spent a lot of time kind of like studying memory, um, understanding like how we we learn and how to keep that information in our head. Obviously, like through the academic side of things, I feel like eventually I got to the point where I was most interested in memory, just like, how can I learn all this stuff that I need to learn? <laughs> uh, I'm in med school. I need yeah. this information to stick. And so my my shift, my that focus kind of shifted there for a little bit. I'm like, okay, I just need to get this information to stick in my head, which is probably something that you guys can um, relate to. Um, Going through this. So I'm super excited. Today, we're going to be talking about memory, but in a very practical sense, uh, where we're going to be going through like tips on like tools to use, ways to approach things to make it so that whatever you're studying today, you will remember three months from now or a year from now, which is very different, I feel like, than how I approach things when i was in undergrad i don't want to project anything onto you guys but i felt like when i was in undergrad i very much was a like cram and then if i f- don't remember it in two weeks that's fine because i did well on the test and that's all that really matters um, but all of a sudden when you get to med school that changes a little bit because people's lives literally are going to depend on your ability to remember the stuff that you're studying mm-hmm. and so you need to be able to hold on to this stuff not for two weeks but for decades. Um, and so that's a really important thing. And so it's a little bit that little bit of shift in perspective means that we need to be kind of approaching learning a little bit differently.
1: Yeah, and taking a step back, because this is gonna seem like, oh, wait, you guys talked about memory a couple of weeks ago and studying a couple of weeks before that. So let me just kind of mention how this is going to be different. The previous mini-series that we did on memory was on how we create memories. And so it was thinking about um, the sensory memory, short term memory, that eventually getting into long term memory. Before that, we talked about different types of studying and the role they played and when we could incorporate that into our schedule. But during this episode, we're going to be there's going to be a little bit more content um, that is testable on the MCAT. We also, like you mentioned, Phil, just really emphasizing how to put it into practice. So it's going to be a little different than the prior episodes. Um, and yeah, Phil can definitely relate to what you were saying about undergrad being a time of cramming. I remember a lot of my friends, pre-meds and not were also cramming and students I worked with over the years. So let's figure out how to learn for long. So one of, one of the most powerful ways of learning and remembering is connections. And that's going to be a theme that you hear us talk about um, one of the ways that you can do that is by creating what's called a memory palace. So the premise behind a memory palace is you take somewhere that you're familiar with, meaning a location. You could come up with an entirely new location, but it's going to be a lot easier if it's a place that you're familiar with. And then you're going to start making associations between different parts and locations within that place and what you're trying to learn. And then you're able to navigate that memory palace, that space, in order to make those connections, build it into your long-term memory, make recall easier. So, and we'll chat about the difference in a couple of how we use the information we've learned in a bit. Um, So, for example, let's say that you are learning about the uh, metabolic pathways as they occur in the cell. And... Maybe you live in an apartment like myself, or maybe you are in a dorm, uh, maybe at home with a a larger family. So that door would probably represent getting into the cell, right? Outside of the door, you can imagine that there will be glucose or sugar. So you're probably thinking, okay, the grass is sugar (laughs) and or maybe there's some ornaments since we're we're uh, post-holidays, although still kind of in the holidays. And you're picking those up, you're grabbing them, and maybe flowers would have been better than, than grass, and so you're picking them up and bringing them through the door into the cell. And you should be thinking, okay, how first is this going to happen, right? Then you're going to go inside, you're going to think about, okay, what's the next step that needs to happen? Maybe you add a bow, um, adding that phosphate to the glucose molecule so it gets trapped inside the cell. And then from there, what's the next step? What's happening in the hallway? Right. So glycolysis, like um, basically just happening in the in the cytoplasm, the first steps. And then, okay eventually getting to the mitochondria. So what part of your apartment is going to represent the mitochondria? Maybe that's your bedroom. Right. Or maybe it's the kitchen, because in the kitchen you are cooking. And so you're cooking energy here and you're using energy. And you're going to have different associations as you go through. The idea being then, okay, now that you've gone through, created all of those associations, you can take a step back, theoretically close your eyes and say, okay, I'm going to walk through how I'm going to follow a glucose molecule until it becomes ATP. And you're going to walk through your home, apartment, whatever it may be, with the flowers in hand, adding that ATP, adding that phosphate group, uh, figure out get whatever your mitochondria is, right? Eventually get there, follow the electron transport chain, find your final ATP. And you can repeat this. You can walk through this. You won't need you know, anything physical in order to continuously practice this. And the more you practice it, the more automatic and familiar, the more automatic it becomes and the more familiar it is. And then let's say that you are on the exam and you're like, okay, wait, what happens inside the, you know, at the level of mitochondria and the electron transport chain, you can go to your memory palace and say, all right, this is what was happening, bam. And that's the idea behind that. Yeah, it's
0: it's a super interesting thing. I think just kind of like taking, like just just like a step back for a moment. Um, a lot of students are going to listen to this and be like, why, like, I would just rather just like sit down and memorize this stuff like that seems like a lot of work to kind of like go through all of that stuff there's your brain deals with navigation differently than it deals with like semantics and like facts and details <laughs> um i know we talked about memory in the past like that semantic memory of like details and facts and figures and like data and equations that's your brain handles that differently than it handles navigation um and your brain is really good At navigation. Like if you like imagine like you were transported to the house you grew up in or like a your friend's house, right? And let's say you woke up in their bedroom. How do you get to the bathroom? Right. Like you don't have to think about that. Like you never sat down with a flashcard and memorized how to move around my friend's house. And so your brain just holds on to navigation really well. And that's really the idea that we're trying to take advantage of here is that our brain just handles navigation cuz evolutionarily that's a lot that's really important right like as like a caveman or cavewoman like how do i get to the blueberry field how do i get to the water how do i get back to my cave right how do i get to like this stream like where i saw the deer right like how do i get to all those places that's really important so our brain kind of has evolved and changed over time to be really good at handling navigation um and so just being able to hijack that and like okay this is the sort of stuff that Is going to stick with me long term, and like you're gonna like you remember how to move around your friend's house when you were 10, right? And this is like a decade later, you know, probably more. And at this point, like you still know that, and that's kind of weird, especially if you think about like what were the definitions you tried to memorize in middle school, and like you probably don't have any of those. Um, and so the idea that like, yes, you might be able to cram this information in faster by just sitting down and just like memorize them like the metabolism. But a month from now and two months from now, that's not going to stick um, and that's not going to be there. And so being able to hijack that navigation side of things is um, is kind of an interesting thing, especially if we're looking for long term And I just wanted to reiterate, like just kind of like take a second and step back because I know a lot of students are going to listen to that and think like that seems like more work and not that much like it's going to be like that much better than just memorizing it. But the idea here is that it's a little bit different with the MCAT you study today for a test four months from now, you know, three months, five months, six months from now. And so you need to make sure that whatever you're doing today is going to be with you later. And that method of of loci, the method of loci depending on how you pronounce it. So I think loci is technically correct, although I always say loci. Uh, yeah.
1: um, and you say loci. Yeah.
0: And so that method of like being able to tie things to navigation is a really useful tool for a long-term um, remembering.
1: Yeah. And I think something else that can help uh, basically reiterate that is you can imagine in a situation where you're, and I know we've talked about this, you're, trying to go to the grocery store. You're going to go drive to the grocery store. Instead, somehow you end up driving to work because it's what you do at this time, typically during the day, right? It's automatic at that point. So this can help you get to a point where, oh, it's automatic. And maybe, and, and if you associate it with a physical place, it has more more weight because then whenever you come in to your apartment or wherever you're at and you just think one of those things, it's going to activate this memory throughout the entire memory palace and so eventually it can reach that same automaticity that's how you pronounce that right yeah automaticity yeah it's
0: it's a uh, super interesting thing just like that tie between the hippocampus and location that's why they yeah. say also um that that connection with like memory and location is like so tangled up together in there that that's also one of the reasons that they say that you like, it's believed to be one of the reasons that when you walk into a new room, sometimes you forget what you were doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like that change in scenery, change in location. As I walk into a new room, my definition of where I am changes. And my so my location changes. And that changes my interpretation. And that's just where we're like state dependent or not state, um, context dependent um, memory. And so, like, you can imagine, like, I imagine I'm in my living room. All of a sudden, all this information comes back because it's tied to that location.
1: Yeah, it's a really powerful tool that you could take advantage of. Let's say that you're someone like me and that's a little bit um, harder at times. I personally like sticky notes across my apartment. I think that is a more concrete visual for me personally. Uh, And so it's still working on the same principle, right? Because I could close my eyes, walk through my apartment, know where the sticky notes are, know where things are. I also I'm a very tactile person so physically writing things down also helps but you can do the same thing at your door sticky note with what information will correspond to the door walk into the bedroom kitchen etc um, and so there are different ways that you can take advantage of this style of memorization
0: yeah my favorite example of that I had a student who like on the fridge, I know I've talked about the story a lot, but on the fridge, she put a sticky note that said like mouth, uh, mechanical digestion with chewing and salivary amylase for breaking down sugars. And she had this like whole digestive tract mapped through her house as a way to like remember it. So like the the, the closet was the pancreas and the hallway was the small intestine. And that then sounds- and the bathroom was the large intestine. And then like right above the toilet, it said rectum. And so like the idea was, <laughs> She was tracing the path of food from the fridge to the toilet, and she was just connecting those with um, the digestive tract. And so like what happens in each area. And so on test day, when she's trying to remember what happened with the stomach, like she's not trying to recall facts. She's just trying to remember like what's written on the wall above my TV in my living room. It's like stomach, parietal cells, chief cells, hydroboric acid, um pepsin, and like those things. And so it's just like, I remember what's in my living room. And that's not something I have to spend a lot of time and effort to remember. And it just, like, I know what's in my living room. I know the art hanging on the walls. Um, And so by, like, hijacking that and, like, trying to tie that to the stuff that you're trying to learn is a good way to kind of get that to stick long term without a lot of, like, continued effort.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, I... Phil, you know this just before this I, I double checked um, some information but there's a lot of there's evidence and, and pretty strong and interesting evidence that visualization can actually help us perform tasks better too so th- that's to to speak on the power of visualization so for example having patients who've had a stroke and are having to re navigate walking again having them visualize each of the individual steps that they're going to have to take how. To walk, and I think we've mentioned this before. It might seem silly, like, oh, I know how to walk. I can explain how to walk. But there's so much that goes into it beyond what we normally think about. Um, and that can help improve their ability to walk again. And it tends to be more powerful and have a greater effect if the person already is familiar with the task rather than starting the task from scratch based on this visualization. Uh, also, if the person is less anxious, so in a lower anxiety state. Um, You're it seems like you might be more effective with visualization than if you're in a much higher anxiety state. And so I bring this up because this is something that I chat a little bit. I don't go in as much detail about this in the sessions, but in the car session that I do that's open to students, we talk about how stress affects our ability to understand what we're reading during that section. This is analogous to that, right? It's going to impact our ability to remember, to uh, in part create the, the memories, but also be able to keep them long-term, how we uh, pull them back. Uh, but this is something that you can do with the data, the facts that you're learning. This is something that as you get into medical school can be helpful, thinking about the physical exam when you're practicing and learning the different, uh, the different parts that you're going to be doing. Once you get comfortable with it, really focus on visualizing, even if you can't physically practice, and that can make you better at it as well. So great for data, great for physical tasks as well. Visualization is powerful.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another thing I want to kind of focus on, which is specifically about how the MCAT tests things, which is like the difference between recall and recognition, Recall is being able to, like, recall something from scratch. Now, there's different types of recall, like, cued recall, which is, like, if I ask you, like, you know, what was the Best Picture winner in the movies last year? Um, and someone might be like, uh, I'm not really sure. And you could be like, well, okay, there was kind of a kung fu-based thing. And like, oh, Everything Everywhere All at Once was the winner of the Oscar last year for the Best Picture. And, like, that, like... Like, oh, because I gave you a hint, that's a cued recall, but you're remembering this from scratch. Now, that's different than recognition, right? Recognition would be like if I gave you a question, like which of these four movies won best picture last year? And like, that's a lot easier because like I gave you four options and you just got to pick the right one. Obviously, the MCAT is that recognition side of things because it's multiple choice. And note that recognition is easier than recall. So, when you're studying, you need to be kind of like thinking about this, like how well do I need to know this? You don't need to be able to draw cholesterol from memory, but if they show you cholesterol next to hemoglobin, next to ATP, next to a protein, you need to be like, that one's cholesterol. And that's that's a much, much easier of a task. And so that's something that you want to be kind of like thinking about overall is like, as you're studying you don't need to be able to draw all the amino acids from memory. Now, amino acids are really high yield, so if you can do that, <laughs> I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, but like, you do need to be able to kind of like recognize, like, which one is that? Like, oh, that's that's asparagine, I think. Yeah, that's asparagine. And that's different than being able to draw it from memory. So if you get to the point where you're trying to like, force recall. Like, like you feel like I need to be able to draw every enzyme from glycolysis and Krebs and the electron transport chain. <laughs> don't, don't put in that time and effort because it's not the way that you're going to be tested. You're going to be tested on recognition, which is different than recall. And so, recognition has a much lower threshold. Like, you don't need to know it as well in order to recognize. And because there's so much stuff on the MCAT, getting the point to be able to recognize every answer, that is a much lower bar than being able to recall from scratch everything about everything the MCAT's going to ask you about. Um, I do want to say there's also this like relearning and like after you come across something once, like, to, like reviewing it, like it's easier the second time if you need to relearn it. And that's also something to be kind of like thinking about and factoring in. <clears throat> the
1: one thing I would add is there are there is an element of Uh, recall, that is also important for the exam because there are going to be steps that you have to take. Um, So, for example, let's say that they're asking about energy, right? You still need to be able to pull up the associated equations or the relationships um, between the different types of energy, how they, um, you know, like potential versus kinetic energy. And so there is that element of recall. That said, right, once you understand that really well and you understand those connections, it's not you're not going to need to actively say, okay, what are the different types of energy? And let me visualize like what the equation was. You can eventually reach a point where it's it's an almost automatic recall. And then you're applying and really just recognizing what direction you're going in. Um, So that's something that I think can be helpful to keep in mind. That's, I think, also why the exam can still be really tough, because you're going to have very often multiple ideas, whether they're different topics or different ways of interacting with a topic or the material involved in the same question. And so you always want to be thinking about when you're reviewing, and we've mentioned this before, what are the component pieces for this question? And that can also help you target, should I be practicing these things with, you know, or using some of the tips we're talking about today with equations versus is it a process like, you know, metabolism that might be better suited with method of loci, the memory palace, the sticky notes. And so because I don't know about you, but that I don't know that that would work as well for equations. If I'm having to sit down and just write a bunch of equations all across my apartment, I'm not going to remember that as well. Um, and so there are other modes that might be more helpful for that. But yeah, there's a lot that goes into this, and that's why we're trying to touch base on a couple of things. And I'm really glad that you brought us back to the different types of pulling memories. Um, So there's also this idea that if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Uh And with memories, like with exercise and muscles um, and strategy practice, this is true. So we have so many neurons, right? Connecting not just memory, but essentially ways that our body is maintaining homeostasis, things that need to get done. And so there is a lot taxing our mind at any given point in time. And the mind is going to essentially give priority to information that is frequently tapped into. And so this comes to the idea of long-term potentiation, which means when we are making those connections and using those connections and those neurons are firing their connections are going to get stronger and so when you are practicing learning doing so consistently and when you're practicing something that you know you want to memorize and uh, for long-term retention and that you can easily more easily pull it back when needed recall it when needed then making sure to come back to it and actually practice it so let's say that you are doing optics, and at first it was pretty tough, but you put so much effort into memorizing this. And maybe you created a memory palace, but then you don't use that memory palace. So you put all this work into it, and then you don't actually use what you created. Those, The strength of those connections is going to be weaker than if you say, okay, yeah, I haven't done optics in a while, but you know what? Let me just go through my memory palace again. And it's going to be, you're going to be faster at pulling that memory palace when those neurons have fired together more frequently.
0: Yeah, that's a, a big thing. And I actually think that that's more useful for those equation side of things is that like use it um, and that helps you retain them. That's why oftentimes when students are doing like trying to learn equations, my biggest piece of advice is do lots of practice questions. Um, there's something about like when you solve the question there's like a little dopamine release in your brain of, like, yeah, good job, I did it. And your brain is like, oh, whatever I was just thinking about was useful. And so it holds on to that information for longer. And so, like, that equation that you just used to solve that question, when you solve that question, your brain noted, like, hey, that was useful. So it's more likely to hold on to that long term. I know I've talked about this before, but one of my favorite experiments involved like two groups of students memorizing the same list of equations and both students memorize them pretty well and like memorize them. And then we're going to quiz you on them in 10 minutes. Um, they did the same. But the group that did practice questions, they remembered it better in two weeks than the original than the, the group that didn't do practice questions. And so. Once again, I kind of want to like hammer this difference between like short term cramming and remembering things long term. So like, if I need to remember this months from now, like I like if I want to remember it just for the next two days, honestly, just sitting down, powering the equations, not doing any practice questions might be like as like that might be faster and that might actually hold the information there and you'll be able to hold it for a day or two but if you are testing on it in 2 months or 3 months that's not going to be so that's not it's not going to be there. and so while it may be faster to just do like try to bulk brute force memorize something um it's not if you're going to have to redo it again and again and again then that's not actually more time efficient um because you need to be able to retain this long term. and so kind of talking about like this that That's also something I see a lot with students as they're like trying to study for the MCAT. They're trying to do what worked in undergrad. And in undergrad, you can do that brute force. I'm studying Tuesday for a test on Friday and that's fine. But if you're studying like in September for a test in January, all of a sudden that strategy isn't going to work. And so doing lots of practice questions is really useful. And I think that that ties actually quite a bit into like both of the next like topics that we kind of wanted to talk about um one being this ebbinghaus curve of forgetting and so this was something that um a scientist ebbinghaus researched and he noted that when you study something like if you don't look at it again like your how well you're going to remember that is going to be decreasing over time um and it's a pretty steep curve where um after like 2 days you're only going to remember like 25% of that thing that you looked at. Now, if in in one day you studied it again, then like it, you kind of like lift up your knowledge about that thing, and then that forgetting curve decreases like less sharply. And so, two days from that, you're going to remember like sixty percent of the information. And if you hit it again in like a week, then when that kind of like your that forgetting drops, like the curve is going to be a little bit less sharp. And so. Now you you remember like 80%, like a week after that. And so constantly like seeing stuff over and over allows it to kind of like re-solidify in your head. There's a, a lot of ways that this kind of like impacts studying. One would be I know a lot of times students want to just cross off topics. Like I want to study physics and then cross that off and then biology and then cross that off and chemistry and then cross that off and then orgo and then psych and then social. But when you do that, all of a sudden, it's been two months since you've seen physics or three months since you've seen physics. And so because you haven't reviewed that and had it kind of come back up, that's going to just kind of like decay that memory into nothing. And so you don't actually remember any of that information, which is why I tell students like it's better to kind of study all the things all at the same time. Um, Not literally like I'm sitting here (laughs) studying physics and chemistry and bio and biochem and psych and sociology at this particular second. But throughout the day, I'm kind of hitting a little bit of each of these topics. So throughout the week, I'm hitting a little bit of each of these topics. And then the next week, I'm kind of doing some more of those topics. And so you're kind of re-solidifying those as you kind of like pass through things. And doing practice questions and homework and exams, you're gonna be re-seeing questions about kidneys and optics and lenses and Freud and all of those things just through the process of doing practice questions. And that's gonna like re-lift up that curve. And so it will decay slower um, in the future.
1: Yeah, and I know this is tied to some of the stuff we're gonna talk about um, later, but I think it's important that when you're thinking about, okay making sure that we're being consistent with our um, with our practice so that we don't forget and doing practice questions. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. That more is not better if you're not reviewing. I'm just going to to say that we can come, come back to that in, in a second because I know there's some other stuff we want to talk about first. Um, but the key here is making sure that you're being consistent. And so that mixed review that you're talking about, you can mirror it to be consistent with what you'll see on test day. So what I like telling students is instead of, you know, starting your day with psych because it feels cushy and nice and you like feeling, you know, yeah, I can I can get all these points. Think about how you're actually going to start your day on test day. You're going to be starting your day on test day with the chem-phys section, then CARS, then bio-biochem, then psych And so I would recommend when you're studying, hey, maybe you're doing two sections, you're studying two sections that day. Start with chem-phys, bio-biochem, and then do some, or chem-phys, sorry, and then if cars should be part of your everyday, but maybe it's not the focus that day, then you could do bio, bio chem. or chem-phys, then cars, or maybe cars, then biochem. So even though you're combining different topics on the same day, doing it in the order that you'll see them on test day can be very helpful. And so you also want to study under different conditions just to get yourself prepped for that mentality, but consistency should take priority. And so I think that's another concrete tip for when you're studying for the MCAT. The same thing goes for the daily passages. So in case you didn't know, we don't just have CARS daily passages on Jack Weston website. We have really a ton of great science passages as well and science questions and practice that you can use um, to overcome this, this exponential curve of forgetting. And so when you're going to do those, take a look at what topics are covered in that day in the sciences. So there might be, you know, a chem-phys and a psych-soc, and maybe you do the chem-phys before the psych-soc, but it's another way to incorporate that test day experience into daily practice, making it easier to remember, recall, make those connections on test day. Yeah.
0: I also, this is a a good time to just kind of mention flashcards with just, like, that's what, Anki is designed for is that spaced repetition to like work on that curve of forgetting. And so I want to be clear, like when I say kind of like review these things over and over, I'm not going to say like, if you spent two hours studying magnetism last week that you need to spend two hours looking at magnetism again and going over everything again, but just like a little bit of a refresher, like what were the equations? What were the right hand rules? What's going on with that? Like putting in maybe five minutes. 10 minutes, it, just one minute, just doing a flashcard on it will kind of like resolidify that in there. And that's why Anki is really useful. Um, that's why we have our own kind of like version of Anki and we have our own flashcard decks. I do want to do a quick pitch just because I know a lot of times students go to the Jack Weston and use the flashcards. Um, I know that we have the Miles Down deck and the Jack Sparrow deck, which are some of the most common um, and like favored ones. We'll say the Jack Sparrow one is much more thorough and much bigger, but there's a lot of lower yield stuff on there. So I recommend the Jack Sparrow if you've got eight months to study or six months or eight months. But if you have only like three or four, I think the Miles Down one is better. But I would actually say don't use the Miles Down one, use the Jack Weston official deck because that's just a modified and updated version of the miles down where we've um, added some new flashcards, removed some flashcards of stuff that like were just wrong or had some some things and we've tweaked some flashcards in there. Um and so I just want to kind of like recommend that if you're thinking like, oh, what flashcards should I be doing? Um, but that'll allow you to kind of like add in this space repetition just inherently into your studying by just doing so many flashcards. And you can do those flashcards. At while you're at lunch, while you're waiting in line somewhere, um, you know while you're <laughs> yeah, doing your evening like relaxation, I'm gonna take a bath and just do some flashcards real quick. Um, don't drop your phone into the bath if you do. I that. was gonna but, say the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so those are things that um, like I would kind of like build into that as well. I also really like review sheets. Um, as well as just kind of like for the more complicated things, like how does everything fit together, making your own review sheets and reviewing them, like setting aside some time, like 30 minutes at the end of the week where I'm just reviewing some of my review sheets that I've made. Um, I think that that is a good worthwhile use of time to make sure that honestly, you have to study less in the future, um, to kind of regain this information. You're just kind of doing a moment of maintenance.
1: Yeah. And with the flashcard decks, um, I know there's also the amino acids flashcard decks. Amino acids keep coming back, y'all, because they are the single highest yield science topic. And you will see them across sections. So just making a a plug for that as well. Um, Yes. And please do not drop your phone in the in the tub in the bath. Yeah. Uh, With the review sheets, I want to pause here. And, you know, we get questions sometimes of Should I be making my own? Should I be using ones that are already uh, created? I know that the Jack Weston Facebook group has access to Jack Weston specific uh, Mm -hmm. review sheets that have been created. So that's a Facebook exclusive. Uh, But I encourage students to make their own. I think that this allows you to consolidate information. It's very active. It's taking on visual component. It's taking on that tactile written component. if you read it out loud, you've now added auditory to this memory and um, this kind of cluster. And so, making the review sheets can be just as powerful as reviewing them. Yeah. That that idea behind that is called multimodal
0: memory consolidation, where where you are like going across this written, hearing, spoken, like all of those things, like visual. Um, all kind of cons- like help make the memories stick better. Uh, I have seen that show up as an MCAT term, so I wanted to quickly pitch that.
1: And then coming back to the testing effect and being able to better remember and essentially better learn the information when you are trying to think about it long term. So we talked about doing practice questions. We talked about incorporating them into your daily practice in the form of daily passages. I wanna add that for cars, you're essentially emphasizing and testing your strategy every time you do that. You can imagine a situation where if you're using poor strategy for cars and it applies for the sciences as well, that you're just reinforcing bad strategy. And it's going to be a lot harder to unlearn it if you don't address it at the beginning. And so all of these tips that we're talking about, how they can improve memory for good, they can also work against you If you are learning information incorrectly, you're using, you know, strategies that are ineffective, things like that. So get that sorted out very early. And that's going to make your use of the testing effect more effective for testing. Um, Visualization can serve as a form of testing effect as well. And so that's another level that you can take advantage of. With the testing effect, it's hitting a lot of different things at once right? So it's hitting that spaced repetition because you're not doing the questions just when you are first learning the material. You're seeing it a couple of weeks, a couple of months down the line. It's going to reinforce the strength of those neurons, going to potentiate that. So you have that long-term potentiation coming into play. Maybe there's interference between topics that seem similar or words that are similar. You're going to be able to better differentiate them when you do this testing effect, and you take advantage of the testing effect to practice questions. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to correct errors that you might have that otherwise would just stick there. Yeah. So maybe you, you know, he, you you are getting confused with the difference between proactive and retroactive interference or retrograde and grade amnesia, right? <laughs> if you don't do a practice question you may not realize that you have that mistake ingrained into your mind and yeah. stored in your memory so this allows for the opportunity to correct that so the testing testing effect is important it also i think something else that is really helpful in that is you're seeing the questions the way you would on test day right and so it's going to be that more contextual component being taken into account so i want to pause here and say that on the Jack Weston website for the science questions, there are two buckets. There are the fundamental ones which, which focus primarily on content, and then they are the AMC style ones that focus on how you're going to see it on test day. They have their purpose. So you might be thinking, well, y'all just said that, you know, we want to see it how we would on test date. Absolutely. That's but up. remember that test day date combi- has layers. So if you're still in this content phase and you're really shaky on the content itself in that moment, that those fundamental questions, fantastic for that, because that's going to help correct any errors in the content before they start affecting errors down the line that would get amplified. So starting with those can be really great. Um, They're also a great way to just, as you're going through, reinforce that you have the correct content. And it's just that quality check Right. So even if you're late in your studying, it's good to have a quality check. You should be going through those faster then. And so they should not be meaningfully eating up a bunch of your time as you're going.
0: Especially if you diagnose and find like, oh, I'm really struggling with kidney questions. Go just spend time just doing kidney questions Mm -hmm. um, and like making sure that you're kind of addressing that specific weakness. I feel like the AAMC stuff, like the AMC passage versus fundamental passages, the fundamental passages are very much like what you're going to see on test day. It's just all the questions are on one topic versus the AAMC's. Uh, passages like, oh, this passage has a question about neuro and biochem Mm -hmm. and capacitors and fluid dynamics and this weird thing about proteins and amino acids, of course. Um, And so, like, understanding, like, if you want to work on fluids, like, that passage is not going to be that useful, Mm -hmm. even though there is a fluids question. But it is a lot closer to what you're going to see on test days. So if you're looking for just general, like I just want to kind of like do a bunch of different things and just kind of re-solidify all of that later in your prep. I think the AMC stuff is good. Fundamental is generally earlier. But if you diagnose a weakness, go work on Mm -hmm. that by using doing the fundamental stuff.
1: There's also a really great feature on the website that I don't know that enough students, I'm not going to say many, but enough students know about or take advantage of. You are able to toggle which Day, which previous dailies you see by topic. So for example, let's say that you want to do more cars prep and you miss the last couple of days of cars passages. You can scroll down and then there's going to be a drop down and you can select just cars and it will show you the most recent cars passages. You can do the same thing for the sciences. And so you can say okay, I want to see, you know, chem phys and it will show you the chem phys passages that have been uh that have come up recently. And so you don't have to feel the need that oh my goodness I missed a day or I want to do, you know kidneys or fluids or something and I missed it when it came up and so now I won't have the opportunity to do it again. That's not true. Yeah, you can go back and see what has already been uh, posted. So that's something else that you can concretely take advantage of when you're thinking about how am I going to maximize my use of the testing effect, this long-term potentiation, right? Um, when you're studying that multimodal um, encoding and retrieval there. So different ways to go about this. I just really want to emphasize more is not better if you're not understanding why you're missing questions. Yeah. Okay. I I cannot emphasize that enough because what's going to happen is what are you doing based on the conversation we just had? You are reinforcing bad habits. You are not realizing errors in your content. Um, So you want to make sure that you are doing that appropriately. I think having that understanding of why is important.
0: Yeah. If, if I fundamentally do not understand endocrinology, my first step should not be do 200 endocrinology questions. My Correct. first step should be try to understand the content and then check and refresh and like do that like kind of like spaced repetition, like reminder of what's going on by doing practice questions. I do. And yeah, go ahead.
1: Phil, I know in the course you emphasize a lot of connections in yeah. the, the videos. And I want to also point out that you know, we have the AMC outline as well, which is more contained topics. Um, So you have the ability to combine resources, Jack Weston resources, to really optimize your prep wherever you are. The AMC outline that we have, that is one of our free resources. Getting to see Phil's mastery (laughs) in in combining topics and really fun way of teaching, that's in the course. Uh, But in addition to the podcast, we actually get a little bit of that here. Uh, But I just want to point out that there are a lot of resources. It's just a matter of being mindful of when you use them.
0: Yeah. Um, I do also want to remind, and I, this is, sounds really basic, is like what stuff can we do to like make, make the memory and information stick better? Like a part of the answer is uh, take time off, like s- go sleep, um, exercise. I know it sounds like weird, but I honestly think that students who take a day off And who are literally working fewer days and studying fewer days, they're going to do better than the students who are working seven days a week Um, like that. And like, that's not I don't even think that that's like debatable in my mind. Like that is like a pure 100 percent obvious thing Uh, as somebody who has tried to study and work every single day um, and somebody who has made time to like time off. I do better when I have time off. I see it in students that I work with that when they take time off, they do better. Um, memory is tied so much to sleep. And so getting good sleep, like measurably, experimentally, like has, like it proves that like sleeping, better sleep makes your memory better. Um, exercising makes your memory better. And I know that that seems weird, but I think a lot of times people have this, this mind body like duality. Like we, we separate (laughs) in our, in our heads as like, Oh, I'll take care of my body later. I need to like study and learn a bunch right now. And it turns out when you're not taking care of your body, your mind works less well. Cause it turns out your brain's part of your body. Um, and so like when your body's not running well, your brain isn't either because it's a part of it. And so just understanding that, like, I really want to recommend that because that's a, That's a big deal and something that I personally underestimated for a big portion of my life and maybe even currently am not super great at. And I'm like, I need more sleep. I should have more sleep. I should be exercising better. So note that that is a thing that like everyone kind of battles with. But when you find yourself being like, okay, I'm just going to sacrifice my sleep. I'm going to sacrifice my my exercise. I'm going to sacrifice my time off so that I can do better in my classes that might actually be doing the opposite, that might be making things worse instead of better.
1: And even with some of these things, like we've talked about in recent episodes, you can combine the what you're doing, right? So for example, let's say that you are someone that likes going to the gym, or maybe you're like me and you like going for walks and you're getting that exercise in that way, you can combine it with studying. And there you have, again, those, those connections um, that you're making, you have that auditory component, maybe you're listening to the podcast while you're at the gym, And you're getting that information, you're hearing our voices, and you've got this movement going on. Um, So you can overlap the taking care of your body with studying, but again, making sure that you are still building in time where it's just taking care of your body, not combining the two, but thinking about ways to, you know, be efficient with the time that you do have. Um, We talked a little bit about consistency beforehand, but I want to close the loop on that. So, it's about being consistent, yes, making it similar to test date, but where, you know, doing this every day. So, for example, cars is something that you should be doing every day to get that practice in. Um, Location dependence is also something that matters when you're thinking about memory and long term memory, being able to recall memories. Um, For example, if you are studying from your bed, right, (laughs) all the time, and I'm, guilty of this quite frequently. Then in terms of physical space, and we talked about how location and navigation was so important at the start of this episode, you can imagine that when you are suddenly in an entirely new environment and you've been working in silence, but now it's loud or maybe you just hear people clacking away at the keyboards at the library or on test day, you're just more in tune with the noises. It's going to be harder to recall the information and you're not going to have that strength that you would have if, for example, you went and studied at the library under similar conditions. And so you can't practice at a test center, right? And that's fine, but mimicking it as much as possible is important. Um, Our senses, we've talked about how, you know, that auditory component, that tactile component, the visual component can be really powerful. Smell, smell has a really strong tie with memory. Um, so the olfactory bulb actually goes, it it hits two places, which are important for memory goes through the hippocampus. So memory and the amygdala emotions, which also, and we can talk about that another time impact our memory. And so something that can be helpful. Let's say that you're planning on having coffee the morning of your exam. Every day when you go to start studying for chem phys, make sure you have that coffee. You smell it, right? You get that in. And then you're going to have, you know, when you smell that cotton, this is, this is general, right? does not mean you're going to remember everything that you learned while you were smelling coffee. <laughs> but if, you know, you have that, if you are smelling it on test day, it can help activate some of the memories when you try and pull them. Because now you have a sense, one of arguably the strongest senses with memory associated with it. And so that that's something to keep in mind as well. So even consistency in that can be very powerful for creating those memories and the ability to retrieve them.
0: Yeah. So that's why I recommend like students, especially if you're taking a test, try to take it at a library to try to take it mm-hmm. like at the very least sitting at a desk. Don't do it like in your bedroom. Um, I also think studying that way is also good. I know that that can be kind of a hassle, especially because you're like, oh, I have an hour to study. Like, oh, should I drive 20 minutes to this library? um, spend 20 minutes studying and then drive back 20 minutes. Like maybe that isn't worth it, but like sitting at your desk for sure. But if you have a day, like I'm going to plan to spend like five hours today studying, like go to the library, like go to like somewhere where you're going to be surrounded by people. Um, not loud people, but like, (laughs) so don't like go, I'm going to go to the, go to a concert so I can study like that. Isn't that, that's not going to work. Um, but going somewhere where there will be people kind of moving around in the background which is kind of training your body and brain to like other people moving around. Like that's okay. And like i learning stuff and relating that to memory, especially if you're like sitting at a desk and typing um, and try to mimic that test day conditions as much as possible, because that location and context dependent memory, you want to be able to recall those memories in a similar environment, um, like during your actual test day, not only that, but it also helps just remove anxiety as a component of that. If, Your test day is so different from how you've been studying and taking all your practice tests. That's going to lead to more anxiety kind of because it feels different. Um, You want to go into test day and you want that to feel like "Ah, kind of the same as every other day and like you're used to it. And it's not a big deal at this point.
1: Yeah. And one of the reasons I tell students don't freak out if you don't get to practice every single time as though it were test day conditions is that you also don't want to get to a point where you can only you know, you only have these associations with one specific library, right? Yeah. And so if you study under perfect conditions every single time, if things don't go perfect on test date, eh, it's going to be a little harder. Yeah. So with CARS, I actually tell students, don't feel the need to only do it at the very first thing in the morning. Every so often, toss it a day when you're a little tired, when you're a little stressed. Um, you may not do better on that passage. You may not do the best on that passage. But when you do your best on that passage and you make sure to practice the correct strategies, then you have a little bit of a buffer when you get to test day because you've done a couple of passages under those more intense conditions. So it's not the end of the world, but always prioritize test day conditions if you can. Um, And hopefully you found these tips helpful. Let us know what your uh, favorite tip or the one that you're planning on trying out is, and then send us any questions that you might have for our next AMA and again podcast at jackweston.com or submit them in the Q&A on the Spotify